This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. there hockey fans and welcome to PuckCast with Statsman and AJ, Rotowire's hockey podcast show. I'm AJ Scholes and as Paul mentioned last week, he is enjoying the beaches in Florida. So I'm joined today by substitute co-host Mike G. Uh, Mike, I mentioned last week that you were Rotowire's NHL managing editor. Uh, for our listeners out there, can you let them know what that means? Yeah, AJ, thanks for having me on the show. I'm really glad that we can give Mr. Bruno, a well-deserved break in Florida. Um, as the managing editor, I oversee the NHL content area for RotoWire, uh, in- including the quality and timeliness of our player notes, stats, rankings, and what have you. Uh, it's really not a bad gig to be able to talk about, talk and write about uh, sports all day. Um, I, it went really, it really went from a pipe dream to a reality, um, and a lot of that is uh, attributed to daily fantasy sports. Um, Ever since uh, DFS came out, the industry has just exploded, and it's it's really a great uh, a great venue to be in. Um, but but really, it's it's the people that make make this job so great, and uh, our listeners really shouldn't be surprised to learn that AJ is a a big part of our success there. Well, thanks for that, Mike. Uh, I did also tease a, a little bit that you're kind of our resident Red Wings uh, fan in the office. I, I think you cover them as our as our designated beat writer as well. Uh, how do you how do you feel the season's been going so far for the Wings? Yeah, not the greatest start for for my Red Wings, uh, and and not the best time to profess my love for for the Wing Wheel. There, <laughs> uh, they've gone two seven and one in the last ten games. They've had key role players go down with injuries. We have. Uh, one of my favorite Red Wings, Andres Athanasiu. He's been out with a knee injury. Um, Thomas Vanek, we just got him back. Um, he had a hip injury. He just returned on Sunday. Um, we got the speedy penalty, penalty killer, uh, Darren Helm. He's out for an extended period of time. Um, Nicholas Cronwall on the blue line. He's been in and out uh, with a bum knee. Um, we just lost... Uh, 
Marchenko for a while. Um, obviously, you can't predict injuries, but um, successful teams, they, they just really find a way to overcome that adversity. Detroit has that formula. You know, they've been in this position plenty of times. Um, I'm not overly concerned with how they've done so far. If there's one thing that I've learned over the years, it's it's you should never doubt uh, GM Ken Ken Holland for the Wings. He's been with the team basically as long as I've been alive, and you know they've gone into the playoffs for 25 straight years, uh, four cups since I've been alive as well. Dating yourself there a little bit, Mike. Uh, letting our users know, but. Uh, yeah, you know, last uh, I'll let you get in one more uh, Detroit question here before we kind of dive into the rest of the show. Uh, if you've been listening in, and our, our listeners no doubt have heard that Paul's a little down on Thomas Vanek. Uh, what's, uh, what's your take on the winger? Yeah, um, I heard, <laughs> I listened in on the last pod, and I heard that Paul said that he hoped that Thomas Vanek would fall flat on his face in his return against the Flames on Sunday. Uh, he probably wasn't even being facetious with that comment. You know, Paul is one of the nicest guys I've ever met, but I respect how he doesn't hold back with his commentary on pick on pucks. Um, I guess I understand why Vanek doesn't get much fanfare. The Austrian, he's notorious for being a streaky player um, on a game to game basis, especially. Um, plus, you know, the, the Minnesota wild, they had to buy out the final year of his contract before the Red Wings got him. That just looks bad on both sides. Um, you know, you never want to, admit that as an organization you never want to admit that you've made a management mistake like that um but still i think that the guy has been a steal for the red wings at a one year and 2.6 million um he doesn't have the pressure of carrying the red wings um like he has in the past with buffalo and minnesota um you know that that job is on henrik zetterberg um do i wish the red wings would have put put the money that they spent on uh, Vanek towards a defenseman. Yeah, absolutely. But Vanek is a low risk signing as he can walk as an under, unrestricted free agent after this season. He looked a little bit rusty in his return. Uh, he had no points and a minus one rating in 1735 of ice time. But pre injury, he really looked like our best skater out there. And um, he, he's at a point per game pace through the first uh, eight games with Detroit. Yeah, he's looking pretty good. I, I've, I've tried to come to his defense a little bit when, uh, when Paul's been riding him uh, in the earlier podcast, but I uh, figured I'd, I'd let you kind of stand up for your guy there a little bit. I want to, as always, uh, before we get into the program, just remind our listeners that throughout the week, uh, if you have questions about your lineups, fantasy hockey, or just hockey in general, uh, you can tweet at us, and we'll try and answer your questions either during our next podcast or, or throughout the week. Uh, you can follow me at AJScholes24, that's A-J-S-C-H-O-L-Z 24, and you can also follow the, the Statsman, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22, and lastly, uh, if you want to give Mike here a follow, you can follow him at MGConnects, uh, that's kind of our rundown here of of Twitter Twitter handles for everybody. Uh, so we're going to kick it off like we always do, some of the big storylines from around the league. Uh, and we've had some pretty significant injury-related news this week. It's It's been a rough week for injuries. Um, we'll start off in Arizona. They've actually gotten some good news uh, with the bad news. So Mike Smith comes back. He's 1-0-1 in that return, a 1.97 uh, goals against average. They also got Martin Hansel back. Uh, one goal, two power play assists in, in his three games. They did uh, lose Brad Richardson with a broken leg. And then they sent uh, Dylan Strome back to juniors, which personally I think that's the right call for him. You know, I think you get um, 
you know, you're going to have uh, some growing pains there with him. It sounds like he's been pretty receptive to it. Mike, uh, what are all your thoughts on the, the several storylines coming out of Arizona? Yeah, right. Uh, so starting with Mike Smith, um, first I'd like to touch base on uh, his backup. I mean, Louis Domingue, uh, he's a fan favorite in Arizona, I've been hearing. Um, he's shown glimpses of potential. He's got big games uh, against the Western Conference Uh He's, he's working with a .921 save mark versus Western Conference foes. But um, when, it go, when it goes against the East, and this has been the case for a lot of teams, the East is just a dominant co- conference right now, you have a 4.16 goals against average for D- Domingue against the East. But still, you know, uh, Smith is a 10-year veteran. He's, he snatched up 43 of 45 shots in overtime win against the Sharks on Saturday. Um, and and Smith, three of his four starts have gone in overtime. So, you know, he's looking for maybe just a, a full 60 minutes of play and nothing more, um, you know, just to get back on track there. Um, the loss of Brad Richardson certainly hurts. You just hate to see that in any – just with any player, any team, you just hate to see that. I mean, he's he had three shorthanded points, um, and he was averaging two – two minutes and two seconds in shorthanded situations before going down, um, that, that's going to be a big loss. Uh, and Strom, yeah, he, he had his share of struggles before uh, getting sent to the juniors. Uh, you know, he has plenty of promise, former first-round pick, but m- minus five rating with just a single assist in seven games. Sometimes these guys, you know, it, you know, it just takes time. It just takes time for these guys to really, you know, get in a groove and uh, – you know, learn some some learn from some of the veterans and and really take off. Yeah, I certainly agree there. I, I think Christian Dvorak is is probably the better option at this point um, between the two of them. And plus, you have the the flexibility you can move Dvorak. You know, between the AHL and the NHL at this point. So yeah, I definitely agree with that move there. Over in Boston, uh, they lost uh, David Pasternak. Uh, sidelined with an upper body injury, has missed the last two games, hasn't been ruled out for tonight, um, but he's been having a pretty good season. Uh, what, what are you seeing out of him? Well, Pasternak, I'm just wondering, how are the Bruins going to get their carbs without pasta in the lineup? <laughs> the guy's been fantastic with 10 goals in 14 games. He's, he's averaging uh, a point per contest. Uh, he's had a plus 11 rating. His shooting percentage is 20.8. I mean, that's just – he's showing a tremendous patience on ice and really picking his spots. And, um, you know, it's going to – you just can't replace a guy like that. The guy that they're going to replace him with, um, Riley Nash, I mean, he's a regular in the lineup, but he's going to the top line without pasta. Um, but he's only gotten two shots off as his replacement. I mean, the Bruins are – it's going to be hard to get an outright replacement for Pasternak. Yeah, I definitely agree there. One team that's been dealing with a lot of uh, replacement players has been Buffalo. And it sounds like Ryan O'Reilly is uh, maybe going to return tomorrow. He's uh, you know been out for the last five, and they've they've fared okay. They they did beat my Pens in the shootout with uh, his brother uh, Cal O'Reilly actually getting the the shootout winner there. Uh, how do you think the Sabres can hold up, you know, in if Riley's out even longer and, you know, if you have any other thoughts on some of the other injuries that they've had to deal with? Yeah, I mean, obviously they lost Jack Eichel. I think it was, you know, the first game before this, or not even the first game. It was like the first practice before 
uh, the regular season started. And obviously that's a huge loss. I mean, Eichel, you know, former Hobie Baker award winner, um, you know, just an excellent player. Uh, the Sabres, you know, they've, as AJ kind of alluded to, they've gone two and three without Ryan O'Reilly. Um, he mentioned how they, they beat the pens in the shootout and that's always a sore subject with Mr. AJ. Could have done uh, without that. <laughs> Could have done without that. But, um, you know, Ryan O'Reilly, he's, he's used in all situations. He plays heavy minutes for a forward. You know, he's, he's averaging 21-46 on the ice. So, you know, just just like with Pasternak, it's, it's really hard to just outright replace a guy like that. But, uh, you know, they'll try and do their best with that one. Yeah, speaking of guys, irreplaceable on a team. You got Johnny Goudreau. Johnny Hockey goes down with the broken finger. That's certainly going to be a huge uh, setback for the, the Flames. And it sounds like, uh, you know, he's looking at a six-week return time right now. Did have to go uh, undergo surgery for that finger. And who do you see there stepping up potentially? I, I, like I said, he's not a replaceable player, um, but they're going to need somebody to kind of pick up a little bit of that slack there. Yeah, with Johnny Hockey, he's expecting to miss around six weeks, you know, after undergoing surgery for his broken finger. Um, the guy that I look to to step up is uh, rookie Matthew Kachuk. Um, he's seen an uptick in playing time without Johnny Hockey. He had 1940 of ice time against the Blackhawks on Friday. Uh, so he's definitely someone to look up. Obviously, he has um, the pedigree. Yeah, as, as I definitely like, uh, like to Chuck there as well. Uh, actually, uh, just had uh, against Buffalo, speaking of Buffalo, he had a, a goal and an assist there, two points. I've been high on him for most of the season. I, th- I, think, he, uh, I think he can really uh, contribute there. I think he's going to be a, a solid player. Um, speaking of contributing, uh, over in the Mile High City, you got Duchesne comes back, gets the OT winner in his first game back from injury. Uh, they are still missing Gabriel Landeskog there. And uh, just curious how you see things playing out in the Mile High City. Can they get back on track? This team's bottom of the division right now. They're really struggling. Yeah, absolutely. And not just Matt Duchesne being out, but uh, you have Gabriel Landeskog out now. Um, he has a lower body injury, um, missed three straight games. They have A.J. Greer. Um, he was originally called up from the minors due to DeShane's injury, but maybe he stays a, w- a while longer because of uh, Landis Gog being out there. Yes, uh, another return we have over in Columbus. Seth Jones returns from IR. Uh, he was a minus one, four shots on goal, 23 minutes on the ice in his first game back after missing six with that hairline fracture in the foot. Uh, over in Dallas, they've gotten back to uh, a top looking like they can be a top team uh, with the injuries back their their top six kind of looks like this you got Jamie Ben Cody Eakin and Tyler Sagan followed by Patrick Sharp Jason Spezza and Patrick Eves and that's including still having Yuri Hoodler and Alice Hemsky on uh, on IR are, are the the stars coming back Mike are they going to be you know back on track now yeah I think so I mean you're talking about a team that led the league in goals last season um, I mean, frankly, they, they must be thankful just to have anyone back at this point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Sharpen missed 14 games with his concussion. Um, Dallas is ranked 14th in the league at 2.63 goals per game. Um, as I mentioned, they, they were first last year. So um, obviously having – and those are notable guys that were out. So I think once they return, they're going to be – you're going to see them, you know, revert to normal levels there in terms of their offense. 
Yeah, absolutely agree there. Uh, in Detroit, we touched on it a little bit, but you got Darren Helm out on long-term IR. Marshenko goes down. Uh, he's week-to-week with an upper body injury. And then, of course, they got Vanek back. So a little bit of good news, bad news in Detroit. Over in Edmonton, it's uh, been good news on the injury front. Just this last week, they got Drake uh, Caligula back. He's got two assists. Matt Hendricks returns with assists. And then they also got Chris Russell, uh, their offseason signing back. Uh, out of those three, Mike, which one do you think kind of most uh, will help Edmonton moving forward? Well, I think uh, Chris Russell is your answer there. Um, he's a tremendous shot-blocking defenseman. Um, he really helps the Oilers on the blue line, which is really important for a guy like Cam Talbot, who's hit a wall recently with only one win and a 3.44 goals against average over his first seven games in November. Um, you know, and Hendricks is a guy who logged more than two and a half minutes on the penalty kill. Um, and, of course, uh, Drake Cagliale um, is a rookie with offensive upside. He's recorded He recorded 51 points in 39 games with the University of North Dakota last season. So, you know, just as with any rookie, it's going to take him some time to get settled. But, um, you know, just getting those guys in the lineup, I think, is really going to provide a boost for the oil. Yeah, definitely love to see some of those college hockey guys uh, performing well in the league. I, I think it bodes well for for college hockey in general, uh, when those guys do well. Over in Florida, uh, another team dealing with some good news, bad news. You got Petrovic is out eight weeks now. A uh, big uh, ankle injury there. Uh, but they are going to get Bugstack back. Uh, sounds like today he's been cleared and ready to go. Uh, what do you think Bugstack can offer uh, now that he's back in the lineup? Oh, yeah. Well, Bugstack's a six foot six power forward, you know, down the middle. Uh, he's. He'll certainly provide an offensive boost. Um, I know that Jonathan Marchessault has uh, just surpassed all expectations uh, in the top six there. But uh, Bukestad, you know, he, over his career, he's averaged more than a half point per game, um, you know, since he entered the league in 2012 and 13. Um, he may not see power play time initially, but, you know, we haven't projected it as a set to center of the third line with Dennis Melgan and Colton Sevier. I'd wait on uh, Bukestad a little bit in fantasy. You know, just make sure that you see him uh, settle in nicely before I would, I would plug him back in. Yeah, and just a reminder to our listeners out there, Jonathan Marchessault is on Florida, not uh, still on Tampa. Something one of our users, at MitchCrust12, had to remind me yesterday. I told, uh, tweeted out that Marchessault was my DFS player the, the, the day, uh, but a reminder, he is on Florida, not on Tampa anymore. Um, and I'll get a little bit more into that when we get our DFS lineup set up for today, Tuesday, with Florida in the slate. Uh, over in L.A., you got Kopitar's missed the last five games. That's That's been a significant loss. I, I think the team has done okay. I do think some of their, their offensive uh, injuries, you know, Kopitar, Gabrick, have been a little overshadowed by the fact that Jonathan Quick's out. Um, but you know, Kopitar is day-to-day. He might be able to return sometime soon. He's not on injured reserve. You know, what do you what do you see them getting back if, if they can get the captain back there? Well, yeah, obviously, um, <laughs> Kopitar, you can't replace a guy like that. I mean, I, I've been saying that quite a, with quite a few players on this podcast. But um, with Kopitar, you know, he's a reigning Selkie winner. Um, they're going to give him all the time he needs. He's far and too important to that club. 
you know, having lost Jonathan Quick as well, I mean, you can't just lose two of your top guys and and hope to remain competitive with that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, they're going to really baby Kopitar back from his injury, and rightfully so. Um, still, even with him out, they've still won the past three games, so they can buy time there. Yeah, speaking of buying time, Minnesota's going to buy some time for Joel Eriksson Ek. Uh, they sent him back to the Swedish league. I, I admittedly didn't know a ton about him. I, I know, Mike, you've done a little bit of digging uh, in prep for today's podcast on, on Joel Eriksson Ek and what he can offer. Um, what do you see for him as far as the future goes? Yeah, for the future for Mr. Eriksson Ek, uh, he wasn't a part of the CHL's uh, import draft. Therefore, we won't be seeing him returning to the juniors at all this season um, or ever. Um, the Wild loaned him overseas to the Swedish league, like AJ said. Um, and by doing that, um, they avoid burning the first year of his entry-level contract. Um, and, you know, the, he did really well for the Wild. He had two goals and three assists over his first five games. And he had three helpers in a single game against Boston. Um but, you know, he figures to get a lot more playing time overseas in the SHL than the NHL. And that's just going to do nothing but positive things for his development. I absolutely agree. You know, it's a little bit of what I, what I mentioned with Dylan Strom and sending him down. Getting those young guys some, some ice time is, is a lot of times more important than having them just sit on the bench and watch NHL games from the press box. Although certainly there is some... Um, upside to that as well it's why we see the black aces recall recalls at the end of most seasons uh, when ahl teams are done but nothing more valuable than getting some ice time Uh, over in new jersey uh, it's been a rough week there taylor hall out three to four weeks with a knee injury Uh, mike camilleri has been away from the team dealing with a personal issue Uh, they do get john merrill back Uh, he doesn't have any points yet uh, averaging about five minutes of ice uh, 15 minutes of ice time in his return is there anyone you see that can step up, or is this team really going to struggle offensively? You know, I would stay away from the Devils in fantasy altogether. Um, you know, I just asked myself, who's going to light lamps without uh, Taylor Hall and Cammie? Uh, the team was worse than scoring last season, and they're they're only 23rd this season. Um, you have Damon Severson. He's he's the defenseman, but he's picked up 20, or sorry, 12 points for the team lead. Um so uh, I, w- I would, yeah, this is just a situation that I'm not touching in fantasy. There's just, uh, the Devils, you know, thrive on their defense and their goaltending with Car- Corey Schneider in there. So, you know, this is just something that there's plenty of teams out there. You can find plenty of other values um, outside of New Jersey. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit in, in past weeks. You know, they're, on teams that struggle like this, you kind of have to pinpoint that one guy that might be the diamond in the rough there. And I, I do agree. I think Damon Severson's the guy to go to there. Um, defensive scoring, especially a lot of it's come on the power play. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be a struggle there. I, I agree with you there, uh, Mike. In uh, in New York with the Rangers, you got Mika Zabinajad is out six to eight weeks with a broken leg. Uh, I've As I preface before we got into this it's been a rough week for injuries they did claim matt pumple off of waivers but he's got zero points this season is a minus five i i see that as a depth uh fill-in i don't really expect him to do a whole lot there what sort of impact do you think losing zabinajad is going to have on this team well it's going to have a significant impact the guy is a solid two-way guy um he had five goals and ten assists before going down uh, the 
the offense for the blue shirts is just taking off this year. They lead the league. Um, but, um, yeah, Zabinijad, did you see that play? He broke his fibula upon sliding feet first in the end boards. It just looked nasty. I mean, it, it just it just makes me cringe when you see these injuries. I know some are unavoidable, but it just it just is bad for the game. Um, but then you, you still have Kevin Hayes, Derek Stepan, uh, Brandon Peary. Those guys are all – they're all over 10 points at least, um, you know, at the center position for the Rangers. So, you know, even though Zibanejad is, is a significant loss, they have the, the depth to back it up. So I, I don't really think they're going to miss much of a beat there. Yeah, the boards are definitely a dangerous place to be. Um, we actually, uh, the high school team I coached, we lost a, a player last year, went into the boards. Uh, it was actually just during practice, uh, dislocated his ankle, uh, rough injury there as well. So the boards are definitely a dangerous place, you know, but it is, as you mentioned, Mike, it's definitely part of the game. It's an unfortunate part of the game, but, you know, we don't want to lose that physicality in hockey. It just wouldn't be the same. Uh, over in Ottawa, you got Mike Hoffman. Uh, looks like he's going to return today, possibly Mark Stone as well. That that situation's a little more up in the air but I think the biggest surprise there is that they sent uh, Andrew Hammond back down to uh, to the minors they did bring in Condon off the waiver or uh, traded for him actually uh, and uh, brought him in to kind of stabilize things with uh, with everything going on in Craig Anderson's situation I, I was surprised by the Andrew Hammond move just because he you know the Craig Anderson situation is so up in the air. Um, not sure how how you feel about that that move. I'm I'm not sold on it just because it seems uncertain when you know understandably Craig Anderson will or will not be with the team. Yeah, I don't like the move at all. Um, you know when when Anderson was out and Hammond was hurt, you know they had to recall two guys from the the minors, and you know you just want to as an organization, you just want to make sure you have you know guys that have been there in the NHL and actually playing games, um, you know, in, in cases of emergency and just, you know, Hammond was that guy and, you know, they can always call him back up, but I, I just feel like, you know, they should just kept him on board. You know, he, Condon is, he had his moments with Montreal, but you know, he's, he's, he's far from proven. And I, I just wouldn't, I just wouldn't feel comfortable doing that move if, if I was running that show. Yeah, sounds like we're on the same page there. Speaking of surprising moves, I think of everything that, that we've heard this uh, this last week, the biggest surprise was Gostas Bear, the ghost, was a healthy scratch uh, from Philadelphia's lineup uh, in exchange for activating Andrew McDonald from injured reserve. Seems like a strange move to me. I know they have some concerns about Gostas Bear's plus minus. Is is this just a wake-up call in in I think my biggest thought is, is one game enough for a wake-up call if that's what they're going for? You know, I, I think I think he got the message, but I don't know how much of a difference it's going to make. Um, that whole scratching ghost is a total head-scratcher. Um, he was scratched on the same night that he was named the Philadelphia Pro Athlete of the Year. I mean... That's just brutal. That, I mean, absolutely brutal. Yeah, I mean, what... <sighs> If you're sending a message to a guy with that, what is the message precisely? Um, you know, you had Andrew McDonald um, activated from IR. He's the one who replaced uh, Ghost in the lineup. Um, you know, coincidentally, and I, I think it's literally just a pure coincidence, 
he played and played well. He had an assist, two hits, and three block shots, and the uh, Flyers beat the Jets uh, five to two. Now I think that you know that's just that's just dumb luck there. I mean, Ghost is he's he's such a prolific player um, offensively. Um, he, he had. He has 10 points in 18 games, though, and, uh, you know, he has the minus 5 rating. He had 17 goals and 29 assists as a rookie last year, including 22 points on the man advantage. And I understand that the Flyers, they're the worst team in the league right now in goals allowed, so you're not going to get much defense from Gustus Bear, but at the same time, like, you want him in that lineup for some offense. Yeah, I... I Personally, they can keep Goss's Bear on the bench as long as they want. I think that'll be great for my Penguins uh, and doing well. I, I It boggled my mind. I, I don't understand the move. But if they want to do it, you won't hear me complaining about it. Uh, speaking of Pittsburgh, you got Patrick Hornquist is, is still out, uh, has missed two games with a concussion. And then I, I was looking forward to talking about Chris Kunitz coming back into the lineup after, after a brief absence. But they've put him on IR, and he's week to week with, with a lower body injury. Uh, I think that's going to – well, I actually – let me rephrase that. I thought that was going to be a big blow to the team. But then Jake Gunsell comes up and scores two goals in his first NHL game. So maybe it won't be quite the hit that I expected it to be. Uh, over in San Jose, more IR news as Thomas Hurdle goes on injured reserve with a knee injury. Haven't really heard a whole lot about what uh, what they're looking for as far as timeline goes. Melker Carlson also remains out of the lineup there. He's missed four games. You know, how is this going to affect the Sharks? I, I mean, I know they're, they seem to be struggling right now, but how do you see this affecting them? Oh, I mean, the Sharks are struggled quite a bit offensively. They're 2.2 uh, goals per game coming into last night, but the Sharks were able to down the Devils 4 uh, nothing last night. So I think, um, you know, you're just you're just going to see some more inconsistencies on the, in the attacking zone for the Sharks, um, and this is not a time to be doing that when they're so low in the ranking for for goals scored. Yeah, I agree there. I think one player I know we've both been high on in San Jose that might be able to help kind of uh, pick up some of the slack is going to be Jonas Donskoy. I know we've talked about him uh, prior to the podcast in in the last couple of weeks. I think we're both a fan of his there. Uh, Over in St. Louis, you've got uh, Steen is not traveling with the team. This has been an ongoing thing with him. Uh, It just hasn't been you know, able to get back uh, to 100%. I feel like he's struggled. He's hasn't scored in the last 11 games. You know, he's picked up three assists in those outings, but uh, certainly, uh, you know, not being able to play is going to just, uh, I feel like, highlight his his struggles offensively even more. Uh, over in Tampa Bay, this is probably, in my opinion, the biggest news to come out of the last week. Uh, we go in alphabetical order. That's the only reason that we're bringing it up kind of close to the end here. Uh, but Steven Stamkos is injured. He's out. Uh, sounds like it's going to be an extended absence there, another knee injury. They do get Jonathan Druin back, who's had one goal and one assist uh, in two games. But, boy, replacing Steven Stamkos, as, as Mike said, we've kind of said the same thing over and over again. But these injuries this week have been to some of those irreplaceable guys. What, what are they going to do there in Tampa? Well, first off, you got to feel bad for Stamkos. He was limited in one game in the last postseason due to blood clots, and now you have this. Um, it's just he, you know, he went through the he went through the effort of re-signing with Tampa Bay, and you know 
you could tell that he just had a love for for that team and just really wanted to stay there and you know give it all he's got for them but um so that's unfortunate that he goes down but then you like aj mentioned you do have jonathan Druen coming back that couldn't be at a better time um nikita kucherov He's, he proved uh, in the 2016 postseason that he, he really doesn't need Stamkos to shine. He had 19 points in 17 games in the postseason with a plus 13 rating. So fantasy owners should take note that uh, Kucherov doesn't really need Stamkos to uh, be a beast on the ice. Yeah, absolutely. I agree there. Uh, over in Vancouver, you've got uh, Miller has been sidelined for three games. And I, I wonder if this is a, a little bit of an opening for Markstrom. Um, I, I know we've talked in, uh, in previous podcasts about the, the goaltending battle there. Miller, kind of the grizzled vet. Uh, Markstrom, the youngster. Is, what do you see, Mike? Is this an opening for, for Markstrom to maybe uh, kind of take the reins from, from Miller? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mac, or Markstrom, he has a 5-3-2 and two record. Um, you know, this year. And I think that shows me that the team likes to rally behind him. He still has an underwhelming 2.82 goals against average. No one likes that from a fantasy standpoint. But, um, you know, it's not all on Markstrom either. Uh, Chris Tanev has been hurt. He has a lower body injury. Um, but then again, you have uh, Ryan Miller. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent after this season. Um, but he's making $6 million on it on the final year of his three-year deal so i'm thinking that the canucks will want to get their money's worth out of that one so the short answer is that i think they're gonna still baby markstrom a little bit but i mean now is the time for him to prove that he he's the future in golf for vancouver yeah that's definitely a great point with the contract situation there uh over in washington you got lars eller is going to be questionable and they did send paul carey down to the minors which i think initially made it may have given some people uh the hope that eller was going to be back but it sounds like uh carey was sent down strictly for uh financial reasons they're kind of hard up against the cap so it sounds like if eller isn't able to go they'll bring carey back and then over in winnipeg uh, you got Stafford has, is nearing a return, although he's missed 15 games so far. So uh, this is another team very beat up by injuries. You got Stafford, Peralt, Little, Armia, uh, the rookie Kyle Connor, who I've been very high on, Sean Mathias, all on injured reserve. This is just a banged up team there, and I'm looking forward to um, you know them getting some of those guys back. But the Jets have performed well, in my opinion. Uh, a little side note for our listeners: I am actually the Winnipeg Jets beat writer for. Uh, Rotowire here, so a little bit uh, familiar with that situation. Uh, the next uh, next feature we want to get into is going to be a new one for our listeners here. And Mike and I wanted to focus on a few players that have been f- performing really well over the last week, maybe help to identify some daily pickups as well as some waiver wire guys that might be available in your league. Um, certainly, you know, could be up in the air there. Uh, just to give a quick rundown, so looking at the top five. Um, point producers from the last week. You got Nicholas Backstrom uh, with eight points, Jeff Carter with six, JVR, James Van Riemsdyk with six as well, Connor Brown with Toronto has five, and then Nikita Kucherov has four. And we, and we touched on a few of these guys. Um, I think the the one we kind of wanted to highlight here was Nicholas Backstrom. You know, he's uh, been having kind of a, an interesting season as, as Washington has kind of shuffled those lines around a little bit. Uh, who's going where, who's pairing up with, you know, with Alexander Ovechkin. Um, but he seems to be back on track. You know, uh, Mike, what, what do you like or, or dislike about Nicholas Backstrom there? Oh, 
I, I'm a big Nicholas Backstrom fan. Um, he had that five-point night against the Penguins last Wednesday, uh, tying a career high. We didn't hear a peep from AJ about that game. And, and we don't need to. We can just leave it at there. Backstrom had a good night against somebody. It doesn't matter who. <laughs> Here I am, my first podcast, and I'm trolling our host uh, about the <laughs> Penguins. But no, really. I mean, Backstrom, you know, he's he's always been that that great counterpart to Alex Ovechkin. Um, always the guy who is generally, um, you know, lower priced than Ovechkin fantasy, but usually comes up with similar production there. So, yeah, uh, definitely a green light for Backstrom. Um, I think his streak is for real. I mean, he, this guy is a proven commodity in fantasy. Yeah, and one other player that we want to touch on as well is uh, Mitch Marner over in Toronto. I've, I've talked about him, and Paul Bruno, our, our resident Toronto fan, has uh, obviously talked about him as well. I've nicknamed him the, uh, the silent assassin up in Toronto just because he's quietly accumulating points. Another strong week for him. He had uh, two goals and two assists, four points over the last week. Uh, what, do you, what do you see out of, out of Mitch Marner there? Yeah, well, first off, I'd like to say that I think Paul's going to be pretty excited that we're talking about his Leafs on, on his vacation. Um, I, I should have thought of that, but we maybe should have given the listeners a little bit of a break from the, the Leafs talk since, since Paul's out. But uh, unfortunately, they've been performing well, and Marner, one of the keys there. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, Marner, he's quickly becoming one of my favorite players to watch. You know, people talk about his size. He's uh, six foot, but only 170 pounds. I think people tend to overrate uh, you know, they, they talk too much about how small a guy is. You have to look beyond that. Um, there's plenty more that the guy brings to the table. Um, he has tremendous hands. Uh, he's just a very energetic player. He's second on the team with 16 points, and he's winning 54.4% of his faceoffs. And um, again, back to the people that talk about, you know, his um, lack of size. Well, he has 14 penalty minutes, so I don't think this guy is afraid to to, you know, to he's not afraid of the sin bin there. So <laughs> in Toronto, so I think this guy is gonna just continue to thrive. Um, you have William Nylander and Austin Matthews also in the picture, but that only um, has Mitch Marner under the radar um, more than he should be, and I think that just makes him a value play in in daily fantasy formats. Absolutely. Yeah. And if, if any of our listeners, if you're new to the show, uh, checking us out for the first time, we definitely have highlighted Mitch Marner in the past. I, I think he's a, a terrific young talent. As I said, the silent assassin up there in Toronto. Another uh, player who has performed well over the last week, uh, actually five points in his last three games, is Nathan McKinnon. And he had a really slow start to the year. I think it's part of the reason that you're seeing Colorado at the bottom of the standings. Um, but it seems like maybe he's he's back. I don't know. Uh, are you seeing the same thing? Do you think he's going to be back? Yeah, I think he was. I think he had a bit of, bit of a bad luck. Sometimes the bounces just don't go your way. He was blanked on 10 shots against the Kings last week, but he's responded with goals in each of the, each of the subsequent two games there, and he seems to be picking his spots better and you know just playing with more patience. Sometimes those guys... They just like to fire everything that comes their way. But uh, I think, um, you know, with Landis Gog out, he, he, he really just needs to, you know, just pick his spots and just keep firing that goal. Um, and, you know, just really, just really what it comes down to is just, you know, when the team's passing the puck around, he's just really got to pick his spot and just fire the puck in the net. I mean, I know that sounds 
you know, that's easy to say, but at the same time, I think he's just, he, he's traditionally an accurate shooter. And I think that, you know, he'll find his stroke. Yeah, you won't, uh, you'll never hear me and our, our high school guys can attest to this. You'll never hear me not tell a guy to shoot the puck. I harp on our guys all the time. Sticks on the ice, shoot the puck. I think it's a, a key component to the game. You know, everybody wants to be the Austin Matthews out there, the Sidney Crosby, the Alexander Ovechkin. Um, but you need those guys that are willing to go to the front of the net, find the, find the loose pucks and, and bang them home. Uh, in, in goaltending top performers this past week, we did want to highlight a pair of guys who are both, I think, a little bit of surprises. Uh, you got Peter Budai over in Los Angeles, you know, filling in for Jonathan Quick. Uh, had a little bit of a rough start, but seems to be back on track. And then Chad Johnson kind of coming out of nowhere, uh, mostly because Brian Elliott has been a disaster, to, for, for lack of a better way to say it. Um, you know, what are you, what are you seeing out of these two guys, Mike? Yeah, um, you know, we'll touch base on this in our rant of the week a little bit. But uh, starter Brian Elliott, yeah, like AJ said, he's been a colossal bust. He has a 3-8-0 record, 3.36 goals against average. Um, it's a lot different than in St. Louis where uh, Elliott was uh, over in Cal- Calgary. So I think, you know, the I think the Flames should not be afraid to roll with the hot hand more. Um, you know, whether that be Chad Johnson or just anyone else. But, I mean, in daily fantasy, you just have to play these streaks. And when, when a guy's hot, you know, it, oftentimes it sticks. So I think that, that, you know, just follow that trend. And, you know, that's where you find diamonds in the rough for fantasy. Yeah, absolutely there. That's a that's a great point. Chad Johnson, especially as a backup, is going to be uh, probably a little bit of a cheaper option in, in daily fantasy than some of the other players out there. I will take the time to highlight, because that situation is up in the air as to who's going to be starting, you'll definitely want to check out the starting goalie grid on rotowire.com. I think that's a great place to check out, especially when you're picking you know, one of those situations. Obviously, if you're going to go Braden Holpe, um, you know, L- Roberto Luongo, even, um, you know, some of those top guys, it's not as much of a question whether or not they're going to start night tonight. But if you're going to take a, a flyer on a guy like Chad Johnson, who's, you know, streaking, but is going to be a little bit cheaper and technically isn't the number one, you definitely want to check back on that goalie grid. Um, we're going to take a quick break from the hockey to uh, talk a little bit about FanDuel and about some football here. Uh, fantasy football fans have all the victory every Sunday. FanDuel, fantasy football for everyday fans. New contests starting every week. No busted seasons. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score real time. New this year, an upgraded experience. Get even more contest variety. Try beginner contests for new players only. Settle a score with a friend in a head-to-head contest. Try a 50-50 contest where the top half win cash. Play in larger tournaments for even more excitement. Play for a dollar. Choices for every budget. Now this week, I had an awful showing in the Rotowire FanDuel contest. I think I came in 30th out of 37. Uh, So I clearly bombed and will leave my DFS advice on the shelf for now when it comes to football. Uh, Mike, what do you like to consider uh, when you're putting together a daily lineup specifically for football? Yeah, and DFS, and you know, this applies to more than just hockey. I mean, it can apply to football. I found it helpful to play on smaller slates, specifically in tournaments. I'm talking three to four games at a time. What that does is it allows you to narrow your focus and it cuts down on research time and having to mull over lineup decisions all the time. You know, that can be tedious and it can 
uh, have you lose sight of the big picture there. Um, but And by having only a couple of teams to focus on at a given time, I've found it helps you determine which players from the same team are worth stacking. Conversely, I'd recommend going with you know a 50-50 type contest if there are 10 or more games on the schedule. And if you have... If you have a comfortable knowledge of a certain player, don't hesitate to go based on instinct because a lot of time that ends up being the right call. That's at least what it's been in my experience. Yeah, those are definitely some great tips. Uh, definitely, you know, if you're looking to cut down on the research time, you do have the one-stop shop at rotowire.com. It's a great place to go. Um, I find, uh, you know, obviously we both work for Rotowire, um, but you know, both of us tend to be so focused on, on NHL from week to week that, you know, we need that little bit of extra help when it comes to, to football, basketball, or even, uh, you know, they're starting out soccer this week. I know I got my UCL lineup set to go on, on FanDuel today. Um, so we want to, we do want to invite people to play in the Rotowire championship by going to FanDuel.com slash Rotowire hyphen championship, have all the fantasy football has to offer. FanDuel be sports rich. Special offer for new users. Get a free six-month Rotowire subscription with a $10 deposit on FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash RW. Not only will you get the free subscription, but you'll have that $10 available to play on FanDuel. That's over $40 in value for just $10. Go to FanDuel.com slash Rotowire. And if you do that, you'll probably get an email from our team here. If you have any questions about it, you very well could find me responding. I handle a lot of our um, customer service. We've got a great customer support team. If you do have any questions there, quick plug for those guys. Um, but you'll find me behind that desk in that role as well. Um, so the next, we want to build our FanDuel lineups for Tuesday's games. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit. It's kind of my favorite feature that we do every week. Um, so we'll have Mike kind of chime in with his. So down the middle, who you got to start out? Uh, I'm going with David Crutchy. He's at $5,500 uh, salary today. Um, he's had a slow start this season, but he's still in the top six, and he's on the first power play unit. Um, he's had six points in the last five games. Um, I look at him as a nice value play today. And then over in uh, Anaheim, we have Ricard Raquel, someone who's a bit of a forgotten man. He started the season late following an appendectomy and visa issues. Um, he's also he's averaging a point per game over 10. Yeah, so for me, I'm going to go a, a little bit of a different direction. So I'm going to go Brock Nelson with the Islanders. I, I normally uh, tend to go more expensive on my centers, but I didn't love the, the top players this week, so I went a little bit cheaper. Brock Nelson is 5,200 for the Islanders going up against Anaheim. Um, I, maybe it's just a, a superstitious part of me, but I, I don't like having all my games in the early the earlier games. I like to have at least one guy uh, who can be in those late games so I'm not sitting there watching myself at the top and slowly drop out of the standings. Um, and then the other uh, center I'm going to go with is Tyler Bozak from Toronto. Um, that's going to be a theme for this lineup. Uh, he's only 5,000. He's been performing really well, uh, as a lot of the Leafs have been, and they're paired up against Carolina. So definitely taking advantage of that matchup, which I think is going to be a highlight for both of us moving forward. Your four wingers, Mike. My four wingers, uh, we touched based on Mitch Marner um, earlier in the pod. Um, another guy I really like is Lee Stempniak. He's only 3,800. Former Penguin, just going to throw that out there. <laughs> yeah, so the former Penn, um, you know, he's a guy I'm looking at today. Um, you know, and just like with a stock market, you're generally supposed to buy when the markets are struggling. And that's how I look at Stepniak. 
Um, I'm buying in the midst of a cold slump, but that just makes his price dirt cheap. He started the season with six points in five games, but then he went the next seven without any points. Um, he's still on the third line, but he's he's averaging two, uh, two, two and 23 on the power play per contest. Then who else you got? Uh, looks I, like uh, yeah, maybe got, Fabry and Silverberg. Yeah, I got Fabry and Silverberg. Um, you can't spell Fabry without Fab. He's a skill. <laughs> he's a skilled scoring pivot. He, he figures to remain on the power play even with Alexander Steen expected to return from an upper body injury tonight against Boston. Uh, Silverberg, yeah, ten points in the last eight games after three in the first eleven. Um, I don't have actual numbers to support this theory. But I get the sense that more people go with players that they can stay up and watch. With the Ducks being the late game, there could be less exposure to a guy like Silverberg. Yeah, that's definitely a great point. It uh, goes to my my superstitious theory as well. Um, and actually, something that hasn't happened a ton, uh, we actually paired up on a couple of guys here. Uh, Paul and I have usually been a little bit different. Um, I'm also going to go with Mitch Martiner at 5,800 and Jakob Silverberg at 5,600. Uh, all the reasons that, that Mike highlighted there, those guys I think are just great. Again, continuing with my Toronto stack here, I shelled out a little bit for a JVR, James Van Riemsdyk been having some outstanding performances uh, just looking at his fan duel points uh, the last couple of weeks he's had 50.4 28 and then a 9.6 this last week so I expect him to continue to put up big numbers there and then as I teased a little bit earlier Jonathan March assault of the Florida Panthers uh, for 5400 I think everything he's been doing get a little bit of a boost uh, maybe less defensive attention for him with Buke stack back in and of course as our listeners always know I'm eager and willing to stack against uh, the Flyers uh, defensively what do you got there Mike uh, I'm going with Keith Yandel at 5300 they're playing the Flyers at home uh, as I alluded to earlier in the pod Flyers can't stop a beach ball in goal this season <laughs> uh, Nikita Zaitsev uh, with the uh, Maple Leafs, uh, continuing our trend with Maple Leafs players, I just think there's a wellspring of uh, talent you know, in there that's emerging, and that just makes them value plays. But uh, Zaysoff is a nice two-way defenseman. He still doesn't have the name value per se, but uh, the rookie has blocked 32 shots and he has seven helpers. You just can't beat the price there. Yeah, that's a great value play right there. I'm actually going to go the other half of the defensive pairing there. I'm going to go with Morgan Riley at 4,800. I think he's a little more offensively minded than Zaitsev, but um, you know, either one of those guys I think is a great play to build into your lineup. And then I did, I sort of shelled out big for Shea Weber at uh, 6,700. He was the second highest guy uh, there. Uh, I just think everything he's been doing, I didn't want to quite play, uh, pay up the, uh, the Eric Carlson numbers, um, but I think Montreal is going to do well. Weber has been really performing and really showing why he was the better half of that trade so far. Um, and then in net, Mike, where are you rounding out your lineup? Um, this might seem like low-hanging fruit, and it frankly is, but I'm going with Carey Price at you know, top dollar. Big spender. <laughs> I'm a big spender. That's how I do it. <laughs> he's 10,200 um you know price <clears throat> price the guy's undefeated in regulation through 11 home starts and and Otto's Ottawa's offense scares no one as it ranks 29th in the league at 2.06 goals per match uh, that's only better than the Sabres at this point so I feel like 
you know, it's just worth it to pay for the top guy, even if other, even if a bunch of others have him in the lineup. You, you just don't want to miss on that production, especially because the slate is unusually small on on this Tuesday. So I feel like you you just can't miss out on the top guy um, on, on this slate. Yeah, that's a great point. It is a smaller slate for for most Tuesdays. Uh, maybe use some of those tips that Mike gave you earlier. Uh, about uh, playing in those smaller slates. I'm going to go with Roberto Luongo. Again, not much more to say than just uh, going up against the Flyers, and and I think that's a great uh, great combination there. Luongo, a good chance to get the win. I will again throw out Luongo has not yet been confirmed in goal. Certainly could be. Um, I'll be checking back to the Rotowire starting goalie grid to make sure that he is going to be in the lineup. Otherwise, I'll have to make uh, some quick changes. And if you follow me on Twitter, I'll throw it out there again, at AJScholes24. I will make sure to let our listeners know if I do end up having to go a different route with that one. Um, So keep an eye out on that. That'll be my quick insider information. For the rest of it, you'll have to pony up for that RotorWire subscription. But definitely check out that FanDuel promo I I mentioned before. That's a great value there. Um, We're going to get into our last and final segment here. Uh, One of the highlights that that I know Paul has that's carried over from last season. I'm enjoying it as well. Our stud and rant of the week. And actually, uh, Mike G here is going to fill in for our stud of the week. Uh, Who you got over there, Mike? This week uh, for the stud, I'm looking at Jeff Carter, uh, LA Kings. Um, the Kings only have two games on tap this week, but his Wednesday matchup versus the Islanders, he has 45 points in 44 career games against the Isles. Uh, and that includes 19 goals and 26 assists. Um, his matchup Saturday against the Blackhawks isn't as good. Only a half point per game average, um, against the Hawks. Um, but his confidence should be riding high after posting his first three point effort of the season versus Anaheim on Sunday. Um, he has 19 shots, four goals, and two assists over the last three. I mean, this guy is rolling right now. He's averaged over 20 minutes in his last four games. And, of course, he's on the top line and first power play unit. So that's who I look to for my start of the week. Uh, count it. Done. <laughs> Boom. Vote of confidence from Mike G there. Uh, I will throw out, we, we briefly talked about uh but I didn't want to overload our listeners with pens, but I, I just have to get it in there. Jake Gunsel comes in his first NHL game, gets a pair of goals. Uh, the reaction from his his parents, especially his brother in the stands, was just fantastic. Um, so they, again, got defeated by the Rangers despite the uh, two-goal outing from the rookie, which apparently is a theme this year. If a rookie has a multi-goal game, the team loses, a la Austin Matthews in Toronto. Uh, the rant of the week, uh, I'm going to be talking about good goalies stuck behind poor starters. I'm not sure if this is because the coach or the organization feel they have to play a guy because they paid him a lot of money or because he was a high draft pick, but you have to know when it's time to bench a guy in favor of somebody else. And this certainly carries over into your season long leagues as well. Uh, the two situations that come to mind are Buffalo and Philadelphia. Robin Lerner has simply not been cutting it. He's dropped five in a row with a goals against average above three. While you've got Anders Nielsen sitting there with a 1.74 goals against average, and that includes a shutout. Yeah, he's only played in five games, but that's Buffalo's fault and Dan Bilesma's problem. I think they need to get Anders Nielsen in and let Robin Lerner sit on the bench. And then with the Flyers, you've got Mason, who has given up four, four or more goals on three separate occasions has a .886 save percentage, 
And I certainly understand that Stolarts has no NHL experience, but they're simply refusing to use him while their season dive bombs into oblivion. Uh, if these organizations are ty- trying to tank, then fine. By all means, stick with this route. But if they want to uh, win games, I think it's time to make a change there. Uh, Mike, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I certainly agree with uh, your assessment there. Um, you know from the Matt Murray and Flurry situation that uh, – you know, a backup can certainly surprise in goal. Um, I, I just—it's interesting because I look at the minds, I look at the perceived mindsets of these goalies as backups. So you just wonder, like, would their would their rate stats be the same if the you know projected over you know more starts if they were you know the number one guy in goal? You know, I guess we'll never know. But um, you do see guys like I said with Murray that just step in and you know, lead their team to a Stanley cup. Uh, that's nothing. <laughs> I, I mean, that's nothing to joke about. That's something that's like, I mean, that's legit for the team. And you just wonder like who those guys are, who are those diamonds in a rough that like are just, you know, toiling away as a backup for their, their whole career that could have been otherwise stepped up and just, you know, thrived. Yeah, that's a great point there. Well, that wraps up this week's podcast with Stats Statsman and AJ featuring our guest host, Mike G. Uh, remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. You can follow me at AJScholes24. You can follow Mike at MGConnects. And, of course, you can follow the Statsman, Paul Bruno, who will rejoin us next week at Statsman22. We ask you to look out for the podcast, the Rotowire Hockey Podcast, every week so that you can get all the latest news and tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy contests. So long, everyone.